how these randoms keep getting jobs. Don't worry about it. I'm going to say, I can't wait to say it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Not Bland Show. I am your host, Dujanae Bland. Today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to talk a little wrestling. We're going to talk a little NBA on the backside. And uh, yeah, we're just going to pivot from uh, NHRA talk. Next week, though, we'll be back at it. So I hope you guys enjoy this show. Uh, again, thank you so much. Uh, we are powered by SportsJourney.com. Uh, any questions, especially when it comes to wrestling, or anything you want to add to this, please do. Uh, we have a very, very experienced and very well-rounded uh, guest, as we uh, always do here. What's going on, my man? It's my boy. What's going on? Thanks for tuning in, bro. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get right to it. So uh, let's bring him in. The champ is here. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, he is the host of the True No Spots podcast. It's my guy, the champ. What's going on, champ? What's up, brother? What's up? What's up? What's going on? Man, another day, and uh, we're getting close to another great, great wrestling pay-per-view. To start with, though, I was not impressed with Elimination Chamber. A lot of people weren't. A lot of people weren't because it was highly predictable. Uh, I think anybody, even the casual wrestling fan, could see what the results were going to be. But me, as someone as a longtime wrestling fan, I still enjoy what was put out there, especially uh, the women's elimination chamber. I mean, Tiffany Stratton, who's only been on the main roster for a cup of coffee, put on one of the best. Uh, chamber performances I've ever seen and so I think that kind of made up for the fact that it was going to be highly predictable uh with with Wrestlemania right around the corner yeah we had a they had a really good crowd I, I thought the crowd was great um I thought the entrances were extremely long um <laughs> I don't know if that seemed that way to you but it, they seemed extremely long uh although the match and I'll start with the women's elimination chamber. Although that was predictable, there were some good moments in that that elimination chamber. I, I thought Becky came in. Becky and Naomi did a good job. Uh, I think it's uh, Tiffany, who is one of the newer people in there, uh, did an excellent job of what she was doing. Uh, Rodriguez on the comeback, uh, you know, being in this match as well, throwing girls around like rag dolls. Uh, I thought their performances were uh, quite well, though. Yeah, I mean, like I just said, Tiffany Stratton put on one of the best performances in a chamber that I've seen, uh, both men and women. 
And uh, it's crazy because she's only been in the business for a couple of years. And she excelled in NXT. She became an NXT Women's Champion. Now she's been brought up to the main roster. And she's doing a great job. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez almost did not make it to this match because she has a um, she has a skin condition uh, that caused her to break out and stuff like that. And she almost didn't make it because of the flight over caused uh, an exacerbation of her condition. Uh, but she wow. was able to get cleared and be a part of the... Um, part of the match she's actually outlined this condition on her instagram and it was a it's a very emotional post about it but she's working through it that's why the last couple of matches you've seen her in in the elimination chamber in her match on raw this past monday she's not wearing facial makeup because it causes issue with that condition and stuff like that so but she almost didn't make it but we all knew and felt that becky lynch was going to be the one to win this because they already established the story of becky wanting to go after the women's world championship yes. and rhea ripley uh even before the elimination chamber so it was kind of the the writing was on the wall but that didn't mean that those women didn't go out there and put on a really good performance what has the internet though in a buzz and in an uproar is how long naomi was in there which wasn't long at all like yeah, under that, that 15 minutes that was disrespectful yeah, in black history month too come on man <laughs> yeah i mean the fact that you know she's the uh she just got off of having a very lengthy reign as tna slash impact women's world a uh, knockouts world champion and then had that great comeback at wrestlemania and then to have her be in the elimination chamber and only be in there under 15 minutes a lot of people did not like that move at all that she was the first to be eliminated from that matchup uh but and they feel as though that could potentially harm her if they try to push her and things like that which i could see I can uh, see yeah, that that it, that could yeah. be harmful to her in a in, in a situation of a push because of the fact that she didn't last 15 minutes in the elimination chamber. So hopefully they find a way to kind of fix that a little bit because again she went out and reinvented herself, going to see it's going to impact betting on herself and having a really good reign as Impact Knockouts World Champion uh, before losing it hard to kill when they became TNA again, yeah. uh, and then taking a chance and going back to WWE after nearly two years and stuff like that. So hopefully they're able to rectify that, but we'll have to see. I'm pretty sure Triple H and them will figure something out. Yeah, uh, I think they got enough quality heads in the creative to kind of figure out a way to rectify that situation. Um, I'll go to... Um, to the uh undistopable the un uh the big force that went against Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax. Um, I thought her performance and her performance since she has been back has been flawless. Uh I she can she's now delivering how they want her to to be powerful, but also she's not reckless and looking like at any moment she's gonna break someone's face or injure someone. Me and Sif said this on the podcast this past week. This is one of Nia Jax's best performances in the ring since she's been in WWE in in either run, first or second. This has been her best. This was her best match. She looked like an absolute powerhouse. She made Rhea Ripley look like she like Rhea couldn't match her power for power. And I, I think agree. the best thing the best thing about this matchup was number one, it was the main event. Rhea Ripley's in her home country, wrestling in front of her home country fans in a professional large scale for the first time in her career. She wrestled there on the indies and stuff like that. Yeah, but never on this scale. One. Two, she got to come out last, which usually is how 
what happens with championship matches. The champion comes out last, but she got a huge pop. But what I really, really appreciate about what WWE did with her perform with her entrance and her presentation, the commentary, the commentators didn't say a word during her entrance. Yes. They let the moment be. They let yeah. the moment happen, and they didn't talk over it with with useless stats and useless this, that, and the third. They just kept silent and let the interest and the moment be what it was. And I think that is what was the most telling thing about this. And the match itself was really well done with Rhea able to overcome the this kind of this kind of opposition to be able to retain her women's world championship which means that now she's going to have all this confidence going into this match with becky lynch and it's going to basically lend itself to she's going to be overconfident and becky's going to find a way to get to get her and become the women's world champion unless they decide to pull a swerve on us and have Rhea continue to reign as champion but right now it's really looking like they're going to have Rhea be so overconfident because she was able to beat someone as powerful as Nia Jax that right. Becky Lynch is going to be a walk in the park and Becky Lynch is not going to be a walk in the park because we all seem to, like, people have got to remember, 2019, Becky Lynch main evented WrestleMania with Charlotte Flair and, R and Ronda Rousey and became a double women's champion. So yes. we can't forget that. I haven't, for I certainly have forgotten. I watched it. And so yeah. that's what we're looking at here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a, a good setup. Uh, and I think it's one of those matches where um, if Rhea retains, I don't think it's predictable because it, it does, it gives that element of she thinks that she can beat anybody now and this is not a problem. But I do see Becky uh, getting the title here at WrestleMania, though. Absolutely. Now, the worst thing Absolutely. here that we saw in my opinion is this the grayson waller effect does not belong on pay-per-view ever ever i i don't even I, I don't understand what they were this is a time killer and it wasn't it wasn't good okay i don't think anything i do like the fact that they uh you know they got their licks in uh but at the end of the day this didn't belong on a pay-per-view uh what was your thoughts on all of this I mean, I think it was WWE's attempt to get another popular man who's from Australia on the pay-per-view because uh, okay. they got three of them, Rhea Ripley, him, and Indy Hartwell in the, pre in the kickoff show. Uh, they couldn't get Bronson Reed on there, though there have been numerous reports that the reason for him not being there was things didn't align, and he ended up having hit, uh, him and his wife ended up having a baby early and stuff like wow. that so he might have stayed behind in the u.s to be there for his ch his child and things like that but i think this was a tip to get grayson because of how popular he is in australia on the show and it was a way to kind of cultivate the alignment of cody rhodes and seth rollins against the bloodline was it well done it's debatable I'm not yeah. going to say it was, but I'm not going to say it wasn't. Right. It did what it had to do in cultivating that alignment between Cody and Seth and, and, and their pursuit of dealing with the bloodline and also gave Cody an outlet to be able to challenge The Rock to a one-on-one -on -one match. Now, there's things floating around on the internet, no matter where it's coming from, but it's floating around on the internet, and it could, be, it could become fact that on night one in the main event, it could be Cody and Seth in a tag match against The Rock and Roman Reigns 
or it could be Cody facing The Rock in a one-on-one -on -one match. Something is going to happen at WrestleMania. It's going to involve these four men on night one because on night two, it's Cody versus Roman and it's uh, Seth versus Drew McIntyre. Yeah. So however way this plays out, it's going to play out over the next couple of weeks because even The Rock put it on his own social media that he's not only going to be at this SmackDown coming up on this coming Friday, but he's going to be on the next two SmackDowns after that. So we're yes. not, this is not going to be a Ross going to be here and then we're not going to see him again for a few weeks. No, he's going to be on for three consecutive SmackDowns. So between these three SmackDowns, something is going to, something's going to happen that's going to, that's going to bring something up for WrestleMania night one. I agree. And yes, Dave, uh, The Rock is going to be wrestling. Um, he is back for a little while to be a part of this bloodline deal. Now, when you when I think about this match, obviously I'm in the I'm in the corner of having Cody win this title. But now, with all that has transpired, it is becoming brutally obvious. If we go into WrestleMania and he gets this title, now as The Rock said, the Cody Crybabies will be elated. But how do they fix this to not be obvious? And if they feel like it's obvious, do we get another? Because, again, there is another record that's still on the boards for Roman to get. Do we see them swerve and let Roman keep this at WrestleMania? Because, I mean, I don't know about you. I want to see him win, but this looks really obvious. So here's how here's a way where they can make it so it's not so obvious is they have the tag match on night one and Rock is the one either Rock well no Roman is the one thanks to the Rock's interference Roman is the one to pin Cody in the tag match yeah. then it'll kind of take away and put as they say in in courts reasonable doubt on Cody finishing the story if Roman pins him in the tag match the night before then it's like. Okay, then they might they might end up having Roman because the next record that Roman hits is Hulk Hogan, which will happen which would happen if he keeps the title until September of this year. Right. Then he'll he'll pass Hulk Hogan. Now, if again that's the way they do they could do it, but it it looks pretty pretty obvious that that uh, Cody is going to most likely finish the story. But here's the, the, the what a lot of people may or may not see is that it'll be The Rock that'll be the reason that Cody finishes that story. Because when he did the acknowledgement of the bloodline, he put up an L. He didn't do this. He didn't put up a 1. He put up an L. I noticed that. I noticed that. You know what's funny? I didn't notice it until after I watched it, and then one of my other co-hosts, who is hopefully hopefully will be returned to the podcast sooner rather than later, Donnie Wrestling, pointed it out to me and Seth that he did that. And he also, when he mentioned loser, and he said Cody was a loser, he pointed at Roman. So there are a couple Easter eggs in that promo that Rock cut recently that are pointing that he's going to be the one that's going to cost Roman Reigns that championship to set up him and Roman with the championship not even in the picture because and and that's that's very clever because if you go back to the night where it looked like cody handed it handed the match at wrestlemania to the rock and then you look at the swerve if you if you really look at him and that swerve in the press conference it all aligns up to him playing as if 
he's on his cousin's side and then turning on him at the last minute uh, when it matters so that Cody Rhodes wins the title. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I said, the Easter eggs are there, uh, not only in just not only in the press conference, but also in the promo that he cut where he finally went back to kind of like a combination of the nation rock and Hollywood rock. Yeah. And it, they're, they're just there. And, you know, any wrestling fan who's watched wrestling as long as I have, have have seen that and they feel it now. Again, we're not in the creative rooms in the creative meetings, so we don't know exactly what's going on, but I think we can kind of see the writing on the wall. And, you know, again, things can change and plans can change and things like that. But I think that there's, there's, there's only one or two things that can come out of WrestleMania night two, WrestleMania 40 night two. And that is Cody either finishes the story. Thanks to the rock or thanks to the rock. Cody doesn't finish the story and Roman goes on to, possibly break go surpass hogan for the second longest reign as a wwe champion so that's those are the 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 two scenarios that are presented right now if he doesn't finish the story do you think it's a huge miss i i know earlier one when i saw the the torch being passed to the rock at that moment i my first initial thought was it it would take away the obviousness, and I know there's ways to get around that, but could you imagine the pop that he would get if he were to do it? Not and it doesn't have to be at WrestleMania. You don't he doesn't have to go a whole entire year, but uh he could do it at another pay-per-view and it would still be an explosive pop for a guy who you know is really kind of paying his dues and going through the you know, going through the right motions to get himself to where uh it becomes something that is you know just a mega moment you know what's funny is and here's why the rock is such an an important part of this equation uh i was scrolling on instagram earlier today and i stumbled upon a clip of what happened after a show back in 20 2013, I believe it was, after The Rock won the WWF Championship, well, WWE Championship from CM Punk at Wrestle, uh, Royal Rumble. Uh, and after the show it ended, Cody Rhodes, who... Uh, Cody Rhodes actually came out and was with The Rock and had interaction with The Rock, which ended with The Rock hitting with The Rock bottom in the people's elbow. That's something to, to pay attention to because... That could be a factor in how all of this plays out, you know. Yeah. Uh, but back to your point, you're right. Him finishing the story doesn't have to happen at WrestleMania, but the narrative is that because of the magnitude of WrestleMania, he should finish the story at WrestleMania because a lot of people who may not be hardcore fans like myself or yourself or even Sith, they may not feel like the the moment or the win would be as important on say a SummerSlam or Survivor Series as it would be at a WrestleMania, right. you know, because WrestleMania is the biggest of them all, you know. Yeah. Um. So I think that's what we're looking at here is that yeah, he could finish the story elsewhere, but would it be as important? Probably not in the in the minds of a lot of fans. It wouldn't be as important if yeah. it happened elsewhere as opposed to WrestleMania. And I agree. I think they should do. Cody a solid um 
you know, he's done all he's needed to do. Uh, you know, he's paid his dues before he when he was here before. He's come back um, and, and really done all he needed to do to build this thing the way it needs to be. And I think WrestleMania, you know, for him, for his family, uh, you know, that 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 part of the royal family, as far as uh, wrestling goes, it, it, that would be the proper way, I think, to really honor that um, and to do that at WrestleMania. Now, we have Revolution coming up uh, with AEW. Um, some really good matches here. Uh, this this three-way with uh, Hangman, Swerve, and, and Samoa Joe is very intriguing um, because when they went to, to a three-way match, I'm, I'm, I'm liking where Swerve is. I don't want to see Swerve to have the championship yet. And the way that they have done that to have this three-way this leaves an interference. This leaves him being cost the match by by someone or Hangman. So it doesn't kill his momentum. Uh, how do you see this whole thing playing out at Revolution? Well, it's interesting because um, on Dynamite, the night that we are recording this, uh, Hangman is supposed to be addressing his status for that triple threat match because at the end of the main event six man, he was shown on camera holding his ankle and there's been so many conflicting reports on whether it was a legit ankle injury or whether it was a work ankle injury. And then it was said that it was a work ankle injury and that he has a personal issue to deal with and that there's a possibility he may not even be in the triple threat match at Revolution. So right now it's hard to say what's going to happen with this triple threat because we don't know if one of the principals in that triple threat is even going to be there and it yeah. may end up being a one-on-one -on -one match i'm hoping that whatever's going on with hangman it's not going to prevent him from being at revolution and it can be a triple threat that way swerve is not the one that takes the fall so that way swerve can still be in the running to go after that championship because i truly believe that swerve has evolved over the last period over this period of time yes. to the point that sooner rather than later he's going to be ready to take the reins and be the face of this company but at the same time one thing i've noticed about aew in their five year nearly five year existence is that that aew world championship is not something that they hot potato they're not going to put it on joe and then have him only have one defense and then he loses it. He's going to right. have it for quite a while. So I foresee Joe retaining, but I don't see him beating Swerve for it. I see him getting the either a, like a tap, not even a tap out, a technical submission on Hangman to retain the championship, that leaving Swerve with the with a, 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 a clear path to still go after that championship uh, later down the line, maybe at double or nothing or something like that. Yeah. But right now, we can't even think about all that because we don't know what Hangman's going to say about his appearance in that match this Sunday because of what he's got to say on Dynamite. So right. until we know what's going on with that, we can only speculate. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I, Swerve is really built on his character, and he's he's really immersed himself now. Um, it, it was... Uh, uh, it was hard. It was he was he was a great wrestler, character a little hard to believe, and then something something broke, and uh, he's really put himself in a really good position. He could really hold any of those titles, but uh, I do believe that uh, you know the world championship uh, of AEW that should be the title that he should receive. 
um, you know, here down the line. Now, Tony Storm, another person who's really taking that next leap um, with this character, and she's going to be facing uh, Perrazzo uh, in that championship match. Um, I'm surprised to see Perrazzo in this position. Um, I'm not. I'm not. Why? Why do you say that? I'm not. The three and a half years that she put in at Impact slash TNA makes her very much worthy to be in the spot. That woman, after she got released from WWE in 2020 and she showed up at Impact, showed why WWE made a huge mistake letting her go. She is one of the best technically sound women's wrestlers in the world and arguably one of the best technically sound wrestlers full stop. She is absolutely gifted in the ring, and she's very. Her character is very solid. The virtuosa. Uh, she was a three-time knockouts world champion in her three and a half years at Impact. She is very, very much worthy of being in this position. Now, my issue is how this has been built. It has been like a roller coaster, up and down, up and down it has not been consistent and i think that's my issue with how this program has been played out uh and it really show how up and down it was this past week on last week on dynamite uh when they both had matches on 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 dynamite tony storm squashes someone who was local to the area and then diana has one of the a very a pretty sloppy match with a long time ring veteran in madison rain who herself is a former multiple time knockouts world champion and knockouts tag team champion who's in their hall of fame but she had a very sloppy match with diana and so it really put a damper on this feud so i'm hoping that they do something on this week's episode of Dynamite to kind of res- kind of resurrect that and put more excitement into this feud. Otherwise, there there's going to be very little interest in this matchup going into Revolution. The only plus I really take from this, and I've said this a few times before, is Mariah May, who I'm I know personally. I got to hang, I got I got to be a part of her Twitch community. I played games with her among us. She hated when I played among us because I was too good at it. I was too good of a liar. Um, but she was really she's a really sweet person. Uh and um I love the fact that she was able to go from a UK indie wrestler to going to Japan and being in stardom and being successful in stardom to now coming to AEW and just being on the on screen almost every week and it's a long cry from where she was at almost four years ago um, when she was one of the wrestlers that spoke out in the speaking out movement and things like that and she yeah. went from that and the UK indies which was nothing during the pandemic to now being on the second biggest uh promotion in north america i'm just i I, i'm super proud that she's where she is and i feel like she may have some kind of influence in this matchup uh and things like that but i again i'm hoping that on dynamite this week they're able to kind of bring back up a little bit more interest in this matchup because last week kind of put a damper on this matchup in, in as a whole it did uh, AEW got a big acquisition too, uh, it, as far as creative goes. Um, I like the acquisition, I think this is huge for them, uh, because it's not so much. I, I think, with when you talk to other fans who may not be fully uh, involved with AEW, I think the big issue is 
sometimes these stories just don't have enough body. Um, the wrestling is good. Uh, we can debate on the women's wrestling and its inconsistencies and it being sometimes sloppy, but um, this acquisition that they made is huge and should help with telling the story a little bit better for a lot of these feuds that they have. Um, and, and I really hope that it, that it really does, because that's really what's missing with AEW. Yes, um, they signed Jennifer Pepperman, uh, who used to be uh, a writer for WWE. She literally joined AEW a week after she left uh, WWE, at, uh, and she was uh, a primary writer. She's one of the writers for the women's division in WWE, and she also was the personal writer uh, for one Mercedes Monet, uh, formerly Sasha Banks. Yes. So she's coming into AEW as the uh, to help with uh, creating content for all three of their. Uh, weekly shows as well as writing writing uh, creative for uh, the women's division and even some men's division storylines as well as uh, she'll be reporting directly to uh, Tony Khan uh, and I said this on the podcast when we talked about this acquisition I said that one of the things that Tony needs to do if he wants to really gain favor with the fan base is to listen to Jennifer's suggestions of creative and yes. roll with those because she knows what she's doing she knows how to write stories she's a three time daytime emmy award winner writing soap robbers so she knows how to write a story that's going to be compelling and that's going to get people's attention so tony khan would be very much beneficial to listen to what she has to say and to take that in and roll with that because of course he has final say on all kind of creative decisions but he needs to be able he needs to take that input and roll with that because she knows what she's talking about and this is a great signing for AEW to get someone of her caliber with her credentials uh into their writing room to be able to spice up the women's division because I'm sure because Tony Khan is somebody he doesn't ignore and he hears all the stuff that's going on on social media and on podcasts about his booking of the women's division he knows what's being said about him on that he knows it I'm pretty sure he heard our podcast. I would love to believe that, but I'm but I'm sure I'm sure of it. He may yeah. not have, but I'm I want to believe he has that yeah. the women's division has been booked poorly for the last two to three years. It has been, and now it needs to it needs to change. It needs to change, and I think that now finally he's brought someone into his inner circle that's going to help bring that change and bring that women's division forward. So I I, I I like signing. I like I the do too. Uh, it's very important, and it's important for to me. It's important for the longevity of AEW. Um, that's pretty much what you know. Other media pundits and former um, you know businessmen that were involved with you know like Eric Bischoff. I know people take a lot of things that he says personally, but um, there's a lot of truth in what he's saying. And uh, this is going to be this is something that's going to be very big for them to kind of help that because yes, the refs, the wrestling's good, but there's other things that do need to be improved. And um, those things I think will now be a little bit more crisp and more buttoned up now with this acquisition. Absolutely. Now, do you think that orange Cassidy loses the AEW international championship to uh, Roderick strong? Yes. 
I do too. Yes. Yes. I I think that okay, so one one of the, the, the one of the things about Rod Roddy Strong is that he's one of the most complete professional wrestlers out there. And this is nothing against Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy is one of the best characters out there. And he right. puts it together in the in, in the ring and stuff like that. And but I just think that they're really pushing the undisputed kingdom something something serious, you know. Yes. And you know, of course, you know, Mike Bennett and Matt Taven are already the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. Wardlow is absolutely pissed off and things like that. So, of course, he's going to be uh, in the mix for something. And, of course, you know, Adam Cole is currently still rehabbing and recovering from his ankle injury he suffered last year. But I'm sure that once he's healthy, he's going to be in the mix somewhere. The Undisputed the undisputed Kingdom is going to be a stable to keep an eye on and things like that, especially with a lot of stables not really being prominently, uh, not being prominently presented on AEW television outside of uh, the Bang Bang Scissor Gang yeah. and, I mean, and House of Black, you know, yep. so that's, so that, that faction is going to really start to really sink their teeth into things. And I think it starts with Roddy Strong becoming the new international champion uh, at Revolution. Yeah, I think so, too. I think this is just a little bit of building to try to get these guys loaded with titles. Um, and, it, and it really feels from the beginning that there was this this faction was going to be very strong. And uh, they seem to be building it that way. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to how uh, it plays out here in the next year. Uh, whenever um, MJF comes back, how that comes back and how that plays out. Uh, there's a lot of uh, meat on the bone here, so to speak, uh, with this whole faction and how they'll play out uh, throughout the uh, AEW roster. Sting's last match, man. Uh He's got to win this match, right? They can't have him losing. Unfortunately, and this is something that I've seen not only watching wrestling, but also being a part of it in backyard wrestling, is that usually when you are going out, you usually the, the term is you go out on your back. Ric Flair kind of debunked that when he had his last match, and he actually won that tag match, even though he was barely a part of it, and he I don't even know if he was even there physically, to be honest with you, but right. he managed to win his last match. But typically, the rest, wrestling tradition is you go out on your back. So with, with tradition, tradition in mind, <laughs> it's almost a foregone conclusion that Darby and Sting are going to lose the tag titles with Sting being the one getting pinned to go out on his back. But again... AEW doesn't go with conventional wisdom. They kind of go against the grain. And so it can be easily a thing where Sting not only retires as a champion, but possibly gets the fall to win the match. Yeah. So right yeah. now, I can't sit here and say who's going to win that, at least right now. I mean, by the time we hit our podcast, I'll have a prediction for that matchup. But right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. And traditionally, Sting, Sting and Darby should lose. And Sting should be the one taking the fall, going out on his back, and then going out into the sub sunset. But 
a part of me doesn't want to go that route because of the promo that Sting cut uh last when last Wednesday on Dynamite. Yeah. Um where he mentioned that he recently just lost his father, which resonated with me having just recently <laughs> lost my father uh, yeah. Yeah, two months ago. And so it resonated with me. So a part of me is rooting for him to go out on top and yeah, things like too. that. But who knows what's going to happen? And well, hey, we talked about uh, we talked about the bloodline earlier in the podcast, uh, earlier in the show. So um, you can go back and catch that. Um, we talked about the bloodline and how we felt how all this is going to play out here. Um, it's going to be interesting, definitely for sure. And I agree. I'm with you on this one, Wale. I'm I'm with you. This thing here, to me, is a Sting deal, and I hope Sting can go out on top. Um, I know traditionally how it works, but I really, really hope that uh, this is a thing where he can go out on top and uh, finish his career with, uh, you know, something positive there after being slaughtered him and his sons earlier. So I hope that that's what happens here. Um, man, we got a lot to look forward to this weekend. And uh, I'm looking forward to Revolution and seeing what's going on. Uh, let them know where they can find you at, Champ, and uh, what you have going on if there's any type of a watch party for Revolution. Well, first off, I want to say how happy I was and shocked to see Sean Spears back in NXT. And he's not <laughs> yeah. going by Ty Dillinger. He's going by Sean Spears, the chairman. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. But you can find me uh, as part of the No Spots Weekly Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we stream live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash true no spots pod. We will be doing a live stream of the podcast this coming Saturday uh, where we will be previewing AEW Revolution. We will be doing live reactions to Revolution on Sunday beginning at around 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so make sure you check us out, myself and Sith. Uh, we will be live reacting and checking out everything that's going on with revolution so that's gonna be a lot of fun and make sure you check us out on social media at facebook.com slash no spots pod and twitter.com slash true no spots pod for uh, excuse me for any updates when it comes to streams podcast episodes and things of that nature uh so make sure you check all of that out we have everything pretty much covered yes sir and i will be there um I can't wait. I love uh, re I love the reactions with you guys. It, it makes wrestling a lot more fun. Um, yeah. So I will be there uh, on Saturday night, and uh, I look forward to uh, to seeing and listening to your podcast this week. Uh, and we'll make our picks during the watch party. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, we will be talking after Revolution for sure. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. No problem, brother. That's the champ, people. That's the champ. And, uh, man, I'm looking forward to all the action that's going to be going on. And right now, we've got a little NBA that we're going to talk. We're probably going to talk a little football, too. This guy is a Dallas Cowboys fan, but, boy, he, he knows his football. He knows his basketball. And uh, I'm really happy to have him on. It's my guy, Timmy B. Yo. What's up, brother? Yo, what's good, DJ? How you doing, Bran? Man, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Oh, man, everything's lovely, man. Just uh, getting off of work, you know, getting ready to watch some NBA as well. You know, the uh, the Lakers and the uh, JV is getting ready to play. 
more hours. <laughs> yes. So yes. uh, yeah, yeah. I'll be watching that. But right now it's um it's the early game. So man, so we're twenty two or twenty three games left in this regular season, and when you look at the Eastern Conference, we've got Boston at the top, Cleveland's next. Milwaukee is third. Um, I'm really liking what the Knicks are doing, but my big focus here is on the Milwaukee Bucks, who make a coaching change in the middle of a season where they were winning, by the way. And you bring in a guy that ain't known for winning games when it matters. They have a very good roster, but do you see Doc Rivers taking this team to the Eastern Conference Finals and then to the finals well for for me from what i saw uh when doc did take over the team uh it's not looking too good so from um from these last from those from those games that i've seen over the uh times that doc was there they can make a run but uh it's it's going to it's going to take a little while longer because the way that doc presented himself to the team and the way that he, uh, you know, put Adrian Griffin like to the side, even though he was his advisor. It just seemed a little shaky and uh, a little, a little, a little fishy that he took that job. But I mean, Doc has has a nice resume as far as getting his team to the playoffs. You know, he has a championship right. with the Celtics as well. You know, but um, after that championship with Boston, it seemed to be going downhill for him. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, as far as coaching is concerned, uh, he. He had the he, he took Boston to the finals that um that one year and they lost, and then um after that you know he went to the Clippers and and that didn't that didn't go too well no so he, I think his coaching is declining but Giannis and Dame know the uh they know the issue they know the scope so they're going to uh get the team together and i think they will they will make a run and um it's it's going to be tough but they will make a run i do see them coming out of the east yeah i oh that's my only and, and there's another red flag for me so I, I listen to other media pundits talking about uh well he doesn't have his full coaching staff and and it's like wait a minute man like <laughs> you knew what you were doing when you took the job bro like don't nobody want to hear all these built-in excuses and we ain't even got to the playoffs yet that's not a good look I exactly. do I do get what you're saying though and I agree. Dame time is like no other time. And right. I think those two working together can likely overcome uh the deficiencies with the coaching staff and with the head coach. They've right. got a lot they've got a tough road to toe though. I mean, Cleveland, I don't know if I really believe that they're as good as the Bucks, but Boston is no joke. And they're That's they're really hitting on all cylinders. Yeah. yeah, they're hitting yeah. on all cylinders right now. Yeah. They're going to be tough for their Western Conference opponent, and they're going to be tough for any opponent that's going to play them in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm I'm actually uh, surprised at the way that Boston has been playing uh, this year. Before the All Star break, they were blowing teams out. Yes, you know, <laughs> sixty points, seventy points. They gave Brooklyn like the one of the heaviest or biggest losses, in, of course the history of Brooklyn Nets uh, franchise, which I don't say too much because they haven't been there long uh, that right. long. But just them, the way that they took it to uh, 
the Brooklyn like that is like, okay, Boston is making their, their presence felt and they're doing it early, you know, and, and for, for Jason Tatum, you know, Jalen Brown, Porzingis, he yes. has addition to them. They get that, that gives them paint presence, gives them rebounds. So I think that's what they were missing. That's what they just needed that one piece for rebounding and controlling the paint because right. you've seen in, in the stretches um, in the last uh, playoffs run that they did, they were just lacking rebounding, you know, lacking control of the paint and the rebounds because, uh, you know, they they didn't make it too far because, uh, of course, Bucks took them out. Yeah, and I, I saw yeah. that too. You can't have Tatum and Brown executing on the offensive end and then really overexerting themselves on, on the defensive end trying to get rebounds, yeah. trying to control the paint, trying to keep big guys out, blocks, and and getting steals. Right. That wears on you as you get down into the late rounds of the playoffs. And I agree, Wole. I think this is an unguardable lineup. I think anybody who's going to come in here, uh, you know, I, I think your best bet is to try to outshoot them. And that's dangerous. Okay. okay. You, you live by the three, you die by the three. But if you can, you can control – and you can outshoot them, that can be a problem. I look at what Denver did uh, last year. Those guys yeah. did yeah. a lot of pick yeah. and roll. They were shooting right. lights right. out from the outside. That made Man. the opposing team's defense have to defend that three-point line. You know what happens exactly. when you have to come out there and do that. Now lanes exactly. start opening up, opening up because you have yeah. players on the back end that can get yeah. their own shot. So and then also too go ahead oh, go ahead go ahead Brian go ahead Brian no no I no, go you ahead. go ahead okay. I, 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 okay I was going because I was getting I was just getting ready to say you know um just like when uh Denver has the same type of like height presence as Boston does but more so for the rebounding part yeah you got Aaron Gordon down there you got Jokic down there and then also too you have um. Who's the other third guy? The other three other us. Uh, Aaron Gordon, Jokic, and Booker. Yeah. No, was it? No, that's Devin Booker or the other Booker? Devin Booker. I thought it was Devin, Devin Booker. Booker. No, nah, he played for the Suns. No, then it's uh then it's the other what's Booker. that other? It's the other, it's I know they got three tall dudes down there. It's right. Aaron Gordon, uh, what's his name? Jokic. And one of the other guys, but yeah, as soon as I get the name, I'll let you know. But th the, this, the rebounding part of it is where I can see they control that. Aaron Gordon is a mismatch down there. Uh, Jeff Green is a mismatch down there. I think, does he play, doesn't he play for the um, Nuggets too? I'm looking. I'm over here messing awesome. up, man. I don't even, I got to get my stats right. Jeff, ain't Jeff Green don't play for the Nuggets. But yeah, um, but yeah. Oh, Jamal got... Murray, he's nice. Yeah, you got so, Jokic, you got yeah. Jackson. They got uh, they got Aaron. I would Gordon. have man, my laptop ain't my laptop ain't running right, but I would have seen the roster. But it's just that paint presence. Yeah, there, yeah, like, right. They got Porter kids. Jr. Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. Yes. There you go. There yes. you go. That's the all right. Yo, thanks, fam. Appreciate you. Yeah, uh, Michael Porter. Them three right there. That's height. Like too much. You give up. You give up so many rebounds if you don't have that. You know, you know, the other opposing teams are, are really having a problems controlling the paint when it comes to Denver. I mean, you can and Denver can shoot you back in the game. Exactly. If they're down. Because exactly. with Golden State with over the on Sunday night, you saw that. Like they came back from and 
Jokic started balling. Like everybody's played collectively. I think Denver has a complete team. Like they can repeat. Now, what's the problem with our Lakers? Um, really, man, I'm just gonna give you my honest opinion. Um, Darvin Ham. It's Ham. And is it because of his rotations that aren't working? Uh it's it's a little bit of both, if you ask me. Like it's his rotation and it's it's the uh it's the length pause of his um of the time that the players are in the games that you know he either keeps them in too long or keeps right. or 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 he doesn't take them out. You know, what? like either one, either one. So what I need, what I need Darvinham to do is just keep one, one starting lineup at least, like <laughs> one to three, one to three starting lineups. Because I mean, he's probably had the most uh, rotations and the most starting lineups, um, you know, mix and matches in the league. Yeah. Like he's probably had the most. So um, I just think they need to be consistent now because they are making a run after the All Star break. Because I tell everybody that I talk to, the Lakers are okay. They didn't let anybody go. They, excuse me, they didn't um, make any trades, but they just added Dinwiddie. And everybody's telling me about Dinwiddie. He just needs some more games under his belt with the Lakers. I know it's yeah. after the All-Star break, but give him a few more weeks. Because, right, I mean, he's not doing too much of nothing right now. Nothing. But, I mean, you know, he still, got to, he still has to get accustomed to the team. But um, the players that we have, I think, are collectively uh, are are really dialed into what to what is is at stake right now. So all I know is Dar- Darvin Ham just has to uh, just buckle down on the rotations, man. But I think we'll be all right. We'll we'll be in the play-in. We'll probably probably uh, get that seventh seed. Yeah, you think think they can go a little ways? If they don't, this has got to be Ham's last year, right? I would I would say it is, man. You know, to my to my knowledge, you know, Ham is not really a bad coach. You know, you do have to have the personnel and you have yeah. to have the, uh, and like your staff there, you know, you know like the correct pieces because that plays a part. Yeah. Uh, and, and at times, you know, Darvin Ham, you know, he can lose it. You know, they, they'll lose a lead, you know, they, they'll, they'll get too complacent. You know what I'm saying? The third quarter woes, as we always say, you know, yes. that when that third quarter comes, it just it'll just be a disaster. So you know, the players we do have though, LeBron's locked in. AD's playing the best you know season of his career. He I is. would say right now, he rebounding is. machine, blocking machine, scoring machine. So you know, and he's staying healthy for once. Glass yeah. is staying healthy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. Glass is not breaking. So you know, I do uh, I do see us um, going at least you know. I mean, we're gonna get in that plan, but it'll be like we'll be like that seven seed getting yeah. up right right between there. So I, I don't everybody else that's in front. Um, really, and we like you said, we're we're 31 and 28. Everybody else is not that far ahead. Uh, we're really only 10 games back out of first. Uh the two top teams, Milwaukee and Oklahoma City, good ball clubs. I'm really surprised by Oklahoma City and the way that they're playing. I don't right. think Denver is Denver of last year. I think they're beatable. I thought the move to get Beal was a joke. Guy's not a point guard, man, and he ain't healthy. He didn't show health. He didn't show health, and he showed big headedness and hard headedness in Washington. 
And that's why yeah. they got rid of him. I thought too little, too late, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. that was not the move for Denver, and I don't think that's going to help them in the playoffs. Uh, Clippers are the Clippers. They will always be the Clippers. JV, man. JV. Yep. They they are nobody. Um, I I think if the Lakers can get hot, they have an opportunity. But those two teams in front of them are going to be tough. And I do see Boston being the team that it comes out of the East. I don't I don't like that matchup at all. If the Lakers were even to get that far, that's not a good matchup for us at all. Because yeah, the ball that they play is not our style of basketball, and they can take us out of our style of basketball really quickly with what they have uh loaded from top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. My and then um also too, you know, the way that Minnesota is 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 showing, you know, some progress, especially from last year when they made it into the playoffs. You know, with Gobert and with Carl Anthony Towns, of course, you got uh, Ant there, Anthony Edwards. Like, those three, they can make a run together. You know, they they seem to be playing collective ball right now, seem to be playing, you know, complete ball. So, you know, the Clippers, you know, they're going to be the Clippers. But also, too, you really just can't count them out just for the fact that they have James Hart. They got scorers over there. You know, yeah. Kawhi Leonard with the defense. They got Zubats. They got, you know, Norman Powell on the bench. You know, they have, uh, of course, Paul George when he gets healthy, you know. So yeah. they <laughs> can <laughs> they can make a run. You know, it's just about, about the health part. But I think, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, when it, when, when playoff time really gets to it, it's going to be too many hands to be touching that basketball at the end yeah. of the game. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see where the Clippers will end up uh after the first round. I think they'll get out the first round. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, um yeah. they they're not awful, but um yeah, right. they'll get out but of they're that. They're still first. JV. They're still the JV <laughs> though. Uh yeah, we're going to jump over to the NFL here and look at the NFC East and I'll start with the Cowboys. I'm very disappointed. <sighs> I'm very disappointed in how that ended. Um I, I felt like I felt like, and, and I've I said it all season long, and I think a lot of people overlooked it, but the Cowboys were small up front on defense, and they were all season. But their their quickness to hit the gaps, to be able to cross the faces of def, of offensive linemen were crisp against offensive linemen that weren't or offensive lines that weren't really uh, top tier. When they got against right. real big guys, they were they were losing that battle up front, and they were right. being pushed around. Everybody looked at Dan Quinn and cried about what he did and how it ended up, but they faced an offensive line that attacked them downhill. And once that happens, it changes everything about that Dallas defense. I'm right. not even blaming Mike McCarthy. <laughs> I thought Mike McCarthy did an excellent job this year. His play calling was like telling a story. It made sense. Unlike Kellen Moore, erratic at times, there's a lot of, of it made sense. Do I think they should have ran the ball a little bit more? Sure, in some instances. But right. that did not lose them the ball game. What does Dallas have to do in this draft? They have to get bigger up front, right? There's too much talent in that back half to to have had that outcome against the Green Bay Packers. 
yeah, five, my first thing that I've that I saw as soon as that game was over was we need some linebackers. <laughs> we need other than other than Michael some Martins. linebackers. Yeah, and he's the edge, you know. Yes. And we didn't even play him at his natural position, you know. And for right. this whole season, that's what was missing because you've seen that in the Bills game, you've seen that in the Dolphins game. Yeah, they ran the ball up the middle and we had hybrid safeties making the plays, not even making the plays, getting pushed out of the plays. Yeah. So you have to re- you have to remember that we did have the Marvion Overshone from Texas. That was our head busting linebacker. He got hurt in the preseason. Yeah. And then we have Van Der Esch. He got hurt in like third or fourth week of the season. Those are our linebackers right there. And then Damone Clark. You know, he's a rotating linebacker. So, you know, we did have Marquise Bell who stepped up as a hybrid safety and played that position and he was flying, you know, but like you saying, down in that trenches into the, into the, uh, to the dirts, into the, you know, depths of the game, those offensive linemen just pushed our, uh, our linebackers right out of the way. Yeah. Because it's like, they're already at the next level because we don't have the linebackers to go hit the hole, pause, and just blow up the play, right. you know. The Marvion Overshone, he see he he showed a whole lot of promise in that the first game that he played against Seattle with the preseason. He showed that and made a good third down stop. Yeah, but he got hurt in towards ACL. So you know, uh, Dallas needs uh, two hybrid, not hybrid, two head busting linebackers, just like how the uh, Niners had Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Yes, Michael Parsons yes. said that same thing on his uh, when he was talking to Stephen A. We need yeah. linebackers. They got Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith over there in Baltimore. You need two head busters right there to make them plays and stop the run. And you need a big dude up in the front. Now, of course, we had Hankins. Hankins, uh, you know, had got the injury bug, so we he met, we got he got missed a few games. But Hankins made good stops right there. The defensive tackle, you know, hopefully we can get him back. But in the draft, we need to draft linebackers, linebackers, and and maybe one more. Maybe one more running back and receiver. Yeah, and they, need be- they need a bell cow. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they need yeah. that. They need a bell cow. They they, yeah, yeah. they were missing. They were missing Zeke. I, I love. Say I love this, They did. They did. This this but is the year them. where they're supposed to have Zeke. Yes, I agree. I they agree. missed them. I um, agree. The Eagles in this thing. <laughs> I mean, you go zero and six down the stretch. <sighs> <laughs> I, I mean, don't even want to wow. talk. Hey, man, I can say so much about that because we, you know, you know, we NFC East uh, fam right here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we could talk all day about them, man. I just know that one, I heard that they picked up Kellen Moore for their offensive coordinator position. It's not I threw work. my hands up, dog. I was like, <laughs> I was like, y'all got him now. You're going to see what we was talking about all these years. In L.A., with the Chargers, he made he made Herbert digress, bro. That's what I was trying to tell people. Awful, awful. Justin Herbert had one of the worst seasons of his career last year. Yeah, it was and you could look at the stats. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you could look at the stats. I yeah. mean, did they make the playoffs this year? Heck, no. Nope. Thank you. Terrible. So you know, you can say so much about Kellen Moore, you know, and 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 what he did for Dallas. Of course, he's gonna make you know a quarterback that's actually better than him. He's going to make him look better, but he's still going to make the decisions of a third string quarterback. Yep. Like Ken Dorsey for the bills was an officer coordinator. You seen Josh Allen regrets. Yes. 
or di- yeah. digress, you yeah. know? So it's like, you can just see it's like there's certain certain uh, players and certain staff members that have to be on the team for schemes to work and things to be there. So, you know, shouts out to, uh, you know, Philly for picking him up, you know, and keeping his, uh, you know, keeping his money flowing. But, man, they're going to see what type of season we've been having <laughs> with exactly. Kelly Ward behind behind their uh, headphones. Uh, the Commanders slash Redskins slash football team. Football team. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. wow. Uh, I, I was totally on board with a guy like Dan Quinn. He reminds me of Dan Campbell. He's genuine. Okay. And when okay. you listen to his, the big thing about coaches, you, when you listen to how his players talked about him, that says enough for me. I mean, the way right. Michael Parsons talked about him, that's enough for me. The staff right. that he's putting together here in Washington, he darn near almost tried to pick y'all dry. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry was like, Man. no more. No more. You know how many players, you know how many coaching staff members that Quinn tried to take from us? Man, he was trying to clean y'all. He Everybody. Was clean Come on, bones, bring them Jack. on. Bring them on. <laughs> pull them over here. Pull them over there. Let's go get them. Only one that person that stayed and I liked it was Al Harris. Yeah, that's gonna be big. Our hair is gonna be big. Yeah, yeah. but he, but when gonna be big. yeah about uh about Washington and Dan Quinn, you know, it was it was almost inevitable, you know, because it was one more position open, Commanders needed to fill it, and Dan Quinn was the number one candidate. So you know, it was only right, you know. So he's gonna he's he is gonna turn around that defense, you know, like the as far as the uh the personnel is concerned, you know, he's gonna get the guys he's gonna uh. That, that he wants out there right now for the offensive side i just want to say that um for eric Bieniemy to get a coaching job now to you at ucla like that that's that's not a good look because we know how much of a good a coordinator eric Bieniemy is right you know for for them to uh show for dan quinn to show him the door and then now he gets a job for college. That almost makes you think about how they really wanted to treat Eric the enemy. And that's yeah. just, it's just really a sad situation, man, because he is, he is a candidate. He could be eligible for any coaching position in, in the NFL right now, but for, but the way they did him, you know, you know, I will give him, you know, my, I'll give him my, uh, my blessings at UCLA for him to do that. But it's just, I just didn't like the way that that happened for being me, man. So this is my, this is where I, I, I'm, I'm not happy about how the league shut him out. I'm not happy about how he had to exit Washington, but he walked into a hornet's nest and he's just a casualty of friendly fire. Uh, Ron Rivera made him look bad. Uh, right. January sixth, uh, Jack Del Rio, um, made him look bad. The whole organization, how pretty much you know the new ownership ended up grasping this team. The whole way it was set up, Ron Rivera being the king and no one else not allowing anybody else's voice to be heard in the locker room, uh, yeah. really hurt everyone else on staff. And most importantly, Eric Bieniemy, when it comes yeah. to uh, being able to be retained here, 
there are a lot of things that he just had to inherit that wasn't necessarily his fault. And then I also look at it on the Dan Quinn side of, okay, I kind of understand a little bit. You want to bring in your guy, but that part, that part. you know, I, you know, because at the end of the day, it's his job that's on the line if this thing fails. And right. I will say at the end of the season, Eric Bieniemy did not perform as a play caller. Didn't run the ball very much. You put your young quarterback at uh, such, you know, um, bad positions that he began to digress in his progression throughout the year uh, and and really tailored off and finished the year ugly. Um, and again, if Washington picks a quarterback at two, I'm not surprised because again, this is a what have you done for me lately league. And when you change over, exactly, you know, when you change over coaching staff, you don't want to marry yourself to a guy that you're unsure of. If you're going to go down with a guy, you're going to go down with a guy that you know and that you picked and you believe in. Right. They don't have right. to move Howell at all. He's still under contract. But mm. I do agree. I do think they're going to bring in competition at the quarterback position. I'll be surprised if they don't go quarterback. But me personally, I would get Marvin Harrison Jr. I think Howell has shown enough. If you look at his statistics, he's shown enough. To, and he's seen enough. I've seen enough on tape to say that he is capable of being a franchise quarterback. Um, we've yeah. seen a lot of big time quarterbacks come out here and stink it up and throw a lot of interceptions in their first year. This was really his first year, right? Right. With no right. offensive line that couldn't mm -hmm. they couldn't block their own shadow. They're basically the lookout gang. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I would go wide receiver. Um, okay. Okay. Because Not think bad. about it. You get a Marvin Harrison Jr. You get a, you got a Terry McLaurin and Doxon. You still got Doxon. Yeah. 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 Dangerous. I would, I just, I thought about that as soon as you said Marvin Harrison Jr. I was like, okay. Um, that could be a nice trio right there. That could be a nice trio. You got six in the top 103. Yeah. Yeah. You take the best available player. Right. You'll get an offense. You need right. some offensive linemen. Sure, you'll get an offensive lineman. You'll get it. one, but you, you gotta, gotta get the, you gotta take the best available you player. Get the at bat. One, at you gotta get the bat. So <laughs> the B A P. Yes. So yeah, I get um, it. I get it. It'll be interesting. Uh, the Giants yeah, yeah. terrible. Um, I don't think Not, they rebound. To say too much about them. No, I've been <laughs> saying it from day one since I saw Daniel Jones live at the Senior Bowl. He is not okay. a starting quarterback. He has all the intangibles, but the biggest, biggest red flag is that in times when you need him to make that play, to throw that play, throw that ball down the sideline, maybe in the corner so that the receiver can get it and get an easy touchdown, he's going to throw you a pick every time. That's what he's done in college. That's what he did at the Senior Bowl. It was on tape, and he's been doing it now. It's no different. So you overpaid for an average quarterback. Yeah, I've there's a whole bunch of things that that went wrong with that pick, you know, when they seen him, you know, the nickname Danny Dimes came into play so many times that first year, you know, got him to the playoffs, you know, just and that was and I think that was just off of a off a of fluke that mm -hmm. year when yep. they got there. And, um, you know, the way the way that the Giants organization is, is, is being um, being presented to the league is that, you know, 
we're just in the NFC East because they need a fourth team. Yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. that's almost, that's, that's exactly almost like on the giants. It's like, they do have, they have players that have talent, like everyone there, Kayvon Thibodeau, they still got Saquon Barkley, but now he's a free agent. You know, they had, they had other players, uh, that they had, um, Casillas. Casillas is Oh, nice. yeah, he played well, you know, too. Their yeah. defense played so, pretty good. So, you know, they do, they're nice. They're nice, you know, and um, they just have to have that staff. Like, there's always a staff. I always tell people, if there's a coach and a staff that can reach the players and that and everybody's dialed in and they know the mission and they know what is at stake, there's nothing that can actually go wrong in, in when you play your games every night. Exactly. Almost every every weekend, you know, you have to go with that mindset of the coach. Nobody talking about it's going to work and we're going to win this game. Right. You know, you can't go in there with the mentality of like, I don't trust this coach. This coach don't know what he's doing because there is players that you could tell, like they don't want to play for a certain <laughs> team or play a coach. Exactly. Like 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 they're done with whatever they saying. Washington like their motivational speeches don't work this year. Yeah. You can tell that teams and you can tell players who want to check out so you know the Giants just have to you know whoever I don't know what it is with their staff you know because Dayball did a a good job when he was there not even going front yeah that's the guy I think they should have kept because then that's the coach that put him into the playoffs that one year with Danny Dimes if I'm not mistaken uh yeah yeah I think it was Dayball so you know whatever direction they want to go to now they got to figure out what they want to do with Saquon because Saquon already voiced his opinion saying he doesn't want to come back would you take him in Dallas? Good question. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. Thank you. Um, for the simple fact of his injuries, I'm going to put a question mark. And I say that because um, we've dealt with so many of running backs who have got who've gotten injured over the years, like our bell cow running back, Zeke, yeah. Tony Pollard. You know, when, when Tony Pollard was pretty much at his peak, you know, he goes out, you know, Saquon Barkley, he did suffer, you know, those major injuries early in his career, but it still hasn't stopped. So right. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking about where that would, where that would uh, sit in the staff with Dallas is if they want to, you know, run that risk and give him the minimum, of course, you know, cause Jerry pays his players. Well, you can't even front on that. You already yeah, know cool. that. So, um, it all depends on um, where they want to go in the direction because I think they believe they the coaching staff and the staff still believes in Pollard. I don't, you know, that's just how I visualize how the staff is and McCarthy. Right. They still may want to use Pollard, and uh, don't forget about Deuce Vaughn. If they can, Who did use not get a, enough a, time on the field. Thank you, thank you. And I think, I mean, he is, he still needs to develop. Don't get me wrong. He's still right. short. He's, he, he's, he still needs, but they need to find out how to put him in space because he's not going to be able to take those, uh, those handoffs. Right. You need tosses. You need sweeps. You need to put him like a Debo Samuel, you know, put him on the jet exactly. sweeps, you know, put him on things like that to where he gets around the edges and moves around uh, and chase. And so those linebackers could chase him. But um, getting back to Pollard and the, and the running back and get back to Saquon, uh, it's a high risk, I think, high risk, high reward if you do get him. So, you know, I think it wouldn't be a bad look to get him because, you know, he'll be your bell cow. He can get you those first downs that you need at the goal line or you need, you know, to keep the ball moving. 
he can get you those those touchdowns and at the one because to, too many times to where Pollard did not get in the end zone. Yeah. And we were right there and it was too, too many times to where, you know, he made a move or like he didn't trust his speed and just go, go to the pylon. They could chase you. And, you know, it's just, it's just bad decisions on them that, that kind of like, you know, slowed up some of the uh, games for us to win. But I would, I would say high risk, high reward for, for uh, Saquon, but I would, I would get him. Last question. You're the GM of the Chicago bears. You have Justin Fields, but Caleb Williams is sitting there at number one. You have several. You got a pretty good amount of picks. Do you surround Justin Fields with talent at the wide receiver position, or I don't think you take Brock Bowers at one, but let's say you you, you surround him with talent at the wide receiver position, or do you go – and you take Caleb Williams, and you trade Justin Fields. All right, uh, this this is a tough question. Now, if I'm Ryan Poles, and uh, and you know how Ryan Poles has been has been being a GM, you know and what he's moves he's been making, it hasn't been nice. Mm-mm. But uh, so if if I was a GM, man. I'm surrounding players with Justin Fields, man. All the money invested in him, Ohio State quarterback, national title, uh, you know, runner-up. You know, I would have to give him more players, more talent to surround him with. DJ Moore was not enough. Nah. Mooney is not enough. No. Who's their running back? Like, you see what I'm saying? It's like, (laughs) we don't... You yeah. know, you're you're not surrounding Justin Fields with winners and like with talent. You know what I mean? It's like you have to put him in a position to where he can see the field, where you have to run for his life. Exactly. Get some protection and get him some uh, you know, get him enough time and enough and, and enough talent for the players, you know, so he can be successful. I just I would I would give him um I don't know who would be the first round pick or if, if you don't go with Justin Fields, but I would just, I'd, I'd, I'd trade, I'd trade that pick, bro. Because I think they can get a King's ransom for it. And there's some fool out there that's yeah. going to pay it. It won't be yeah. Washington, not this time, but, uh, <laughs> but there will be some fool out there yeah. that will pay that King's ransom. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, man. Give Justin Fields another chance, man. He's, I mean, like I said, all you have to do is just put a line in front of a quarterback and he's going to look good. Right. I you know, agree. you need to protect your quarterback. <laughs> That's the number one thing in, in football. You protect your quarterback, your quarterback will be successful and make the plays because he does, because he has time to throw. Absolutely. Simple. Simple. Timmy. Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on the show, man. We're going to have yes, you back sir. on here when we get yes, close sir. to NBA playoff time, when we start seeing the ladders and the, the brackets start to play its way out. And we'll start, we'll oh, have yeah. you back on here to break that down. Um, we'll also have you back on here to talk a little thank draft you. too, man. Oh um, yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate your time. It's coming up. It's all coming loaded. <laughs> we're, oh, yeah. we're, we're getting right into it. Uh, will likely man. you watching the UFL this year? Um, yes, I am. I am. I just, you know, I, I like to watch football. You know, Me some too. of the players are, are ex NFL players, you know, players that were in the, uh, 
in the league. So, you know, we're just, I just want to see the journey, the type of journey that these players are on, man, and see and see them getting back in there, man. Cause yeah. you know, last year watching the UFL and the XFL, I mean, uh, the USFL and XFL, man, it was kind of, kind of interesting, man. It, 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 it kept me, it kept me, um, you know, glued to my seat because of the uh, the Arlington Renegades. Of course, it's, that's another Texas team, so I was going yeah. for Texas for Dallas. So, you know, interesting to see, you know, how 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 they uh, plan plan stuff out and how they're gonna do it. But yeah, I'm gonna watch it, man. Some players That'll I still work. wanna still wanna look at. Yeah, we'll we'll have you on for that too, because uh, I'm gonna be covering that. I, I really enjoy it. I think it's necessary. Uh, that's one thing that the NFL is missing. And that's the ability for these younger guys that are in the trenches, both on offense and defense, to be able to hone their skills in so that they can come in and, and actually help teams. Uh, it's lacking right, right. in the NFL and that in the trenches and backup quarterback is a big problem in the league as well. You can probably only name about five teams that have a good one that can go out and win exactly. you some games. If right, your other starters right. go down and some of these other teams, it's lights out. It's over. The season's done. So exactly. uh, I, I think this league is very important on those two sides of the ball. And I do enjoy the journey uh, of those players. And so uh, during the season, mm -hmm. we'll have you on to talk that as well. Uh, let everybody Most know where they can follow you at and, uh, you know, what you have going on. Yeah, um, you can follow me at It's Timmy B. You can see the uh, name at the bottom left. Um, on all platforms, um, Instagram and Twitter. Um, I do have a, a business page to where I'm promoting shows and comedy shows. I'm with me, me and my lady is combining uh, together to make Barnes and Barber Entertainment. So, so you know, my last like name is Barnes, our last name is Barber. So, um, and that Instagram is Barnes and the word and Barber entertainment it's a whole long just but you will find me uh we we throw in shows man we we you know we any parties or anything like that comedy you know we we know comedians so we try to give comedians you know uh their time to showcase and we we just we see a vision man and we're trying to you know get people to come out and uh you know just have a good time and you know just uh support and just celebrate and function with our peoples man and um also too this split shirt i got great shirts too you know, uh, sometimes T-shirts is the name on Instagram. And, it's good. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> uh, sometimes, you know, my name is Tim. So the, the 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 word, the name Tim is in sometimes. So, I, you know, sometimes you're going to wear the shirt. Sometimes you're going to smoke a split. Sometimes you're going to do too much. Or do, do you, sometimes you're going to do some things. You're not going to do it all the time. Yeah. So, you know, um, but mostly, man, and coming soon too, man, I'm working on my own show, my own podcast, man, and, you know, doing things you know, my way and uh, just just seeing if I can get, you know, as much of support and uh, exposure as I can, man, because you know, as you know, you know, I used to do this podcast stuff. Yes, man. sir. I mean, I mean, I still I, I was still doing it. It's just that this, this didn't get the opportunity after a while. But I, that's why I ventured on other things. But now that I do have a, a space for it, I will be starting up a talk show just like this one, brother. That's what's up. And we'll be yeah, making man. sure that we promote it on our page uh, when that happens. Uh, yeah, it was a great time. And uh, we'll be in touch, man. We got a lot to talk oh, about yeah. here as the NBA season comes to its uh, regular season comes to its close. Yes, sir. Thank Thanks, you, Timmy. Man. I appreciate the opportunity, brother. No See problem, soon, man. man. See you soon. Yeah, one love. One. That's my guy, Timmy B.
Thanks for hanging in there, guys. It's been a long show. We went about 20 minutes over, but but we were run over a little bit. Well, next week, I already know who our guest is going to be, so I'll tell you right now. It will be Elon Warner. We're going to go back to the NHRA. And uh, we're going to get you all excited about the drag racing bracket bonanza. And it is going to be awesome. There's so much new stuff that we'll be talking about that he's brought to the drag racing bracket bonanza. You guys are going to love it. We're going to create a league for the Not Bland show as well. So uh, you guys can get involved in that and uh, try to beat me week to week as we go through the NHRA season. Uh, Man, it is the Baby Gators coming up. I'll be watching that. Hopefully the uh, rain stays away. And the following week, the week of when this show will be, it will be the Gator Nationals when this show goes live again on Wednesday, March 6th. The weekend will be the Gator Nationals. We will be there. So follow the the Not Plan Show show page, my Instagram, or Twitter, and I will be tweeting about it. We'll be probably do some lives from there as well. Again, thank you guys so much for watching this show. Uh, The comments have been great. The participation has been great. For Sports Journey, for everything Nitro, I am Dujanae Bland. This is the Not Bland Show, and we will see you 